your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. There is a prayer that I pray often. And I know for a fact that, because I've had this conversation with some of you, that you have prayed the exact same prayer that I have. It is a prayer that believers have been praying for centuries. Again, I have had countless conversations about this incredibly simple prayer. Are you ready for the prayer? It's four words. Four words. Four words. God, grow my faith. God, grow my faith. Honestly, I believe that every sincere believer has the same desire. We all, if, if you have a desire to walk with God this morning, then you have a desire to have a stronger faith. But we often struggle with how, how to grow our faith. Messina, one of Napoleon's generals, suddenly appeared with 18,000 men before an Austrian town which had no means of defense. The town council had nearly decided to surrender when the old dean of the church reminded them that it was Easter and begged them to hold services as usual and to leave the trouble in God's hands. They did uh, This they did, and the French, hearing the church bells ringing joyfully, concluded that the Austrian army had come to, to, to defend this little town, and quickly broke camp. Before the bell ceased, the Frenchmen had vanished. I read this story recently, and I, my first thought was, wow, I wish I had that kind of faith. To be absolutely outnumbered with no hope of defense and to say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. How many times in the Old Testament have we read similar stories when the nation of Israel was outnumbered and God did the miraculous? because of the faith of sometimes just one person. In 1555, as part of her campaign to reestablish the Catholic Church in England, Queen Mary, who was also known as Bloody Mary, arranged for John Philpot one of the leading Protestant ministers of the day, to be burned at the stake. When his death sentence was pronounced, Philpot said, I am ready. God grant me the strength and the joy of resurrection. Philpot walked to the place of his execution on his own, rather than having to be dragged to it. 
And when he reached it, he knelt down and kissed the stake, that which he would be burned on. And we, you know, we hear stories like this and we think, how desperately I want that kind of faith. How desperately to be able to, to kneel down and to, to not only to walk to, to the stake, but to kneel down and kiss the stake in which you're about to be burned on. Now the reality is, most of us will never endure that kind of persecution for our faith. But we like to think, if we have a, a genuine desire to serve Christ, we like to think that if we were ever put in that situation, we would do the same. Or would we go fighting and screaming to the stake? There may be a day, there may be a day that we must make the same life-death situations for our faith. I believe, personally, I believe that those days are coming. And how strong is your faith? How strong is the faith that you have when, when difficulties are going to come? Even in lesser trials, we sometimes buckle to peer pressure, do we not? In Luke chapter 17, the parable that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus helps us understand how to grow our faith. The title of my message this morning is The Parable of Stronger Faith. The Parable of Stronger Faith. Look at Luke chapter 17, and let's start reading in verse 5. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Wow, what, a, what, a, what an incredible statement. Increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the, the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the roots and be thou planted in the sea and it shall obey you. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather, uh, 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 and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird myself and serve me? till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he think that servants should do, that, excuse me, doth he uh, thank that servant because he did the thing that he commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, ye, when ye, shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants and have done that which our duty, which was our duty 
to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the work that you do in our lives. And I am so thankful and grateful for the parables that you've given us to help us understand you, your will for our lives, and your love for us more and more. We are truly thankful and we are truly blessed. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The disciples asked the question that have been, been have literally been asked for centuries. Lord, let, let, let me read it. Uh, that way I'll get it right. Um, Lord, increase our faith. Now it's interesting that the Lord here, the question is, uh, Lord, give me more faith. Is that not what, what they say? They, they, the, 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 the disciples look at Jesus and say, Lord, give us more faith. And Jesus looks at them and he says something incredibly amazing. Basically, what he says in verse 6 is, you don't need more faith, you just need to grow the faith that you have. Because we live in a, in a world of things and possessions and bank accounts and all of this stuff, we tend to think that we need more faith in order to have stronger faith. And that is not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying this, you have all the faith you need. All you need to do is have stronger faith. The biblical truth is this, you have it all. You have as much faith as Philpot the martyr. The only difference is he had his had matured and grown. But it's a still the same faith. Philpot had gotten to a point in his life where he became so dependent on Christ that he could walk his way to the stake. He could kneel down and he could kiss the very stake in which he was about to be burned. You think, but, but Pastor, you don't understand. I could never do that. I beg to differ. Philpot was a man just like you and me. The only difference was he had had opportunity to grow his faith, to mature his faith. And any one of us in the same scenario could do the exact same thing. If we allow God to do the work in our lives. Point number one this morning. <clears throat> measuring our faith. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, if, uh, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto the sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Very clearly here, Jesus is helping us understand that faith 
is not like our bank accounts. It is, again, it's not based on how much faith we have, but how strong our faith is. We can, uh, <clears throat> we can look at our bank account and determine how, how financially secure we are. Um, <clears throat> the other day, uh, some of you know this, some of you don't. I don't go around bragging about it uh, because it was very painful. But I broke a tooth, the lower tooth back here. Uh, and <clears throat> what was even more painful was the bill. <laughs> I mean, it hurt. I was eating a peanut. It was like, that did not feel good. But when I got the bill, I looked at the bill and I looked at my bank account and went, these two don't match. So what did I have to do to the bank account in order to pay the bill? I just had to put some more money in it. Anybody want to loan me some money? No, I'm teasing. Uh, that's, what you, that's why you have an emergency fund, right? Um, but, uh, but, but see, that's kind of how we think about our faith sometimes. I've had people tell me, you know, how do I get more faith? How do, how do I increase my faith account, if you would? And what Jesus is saying here is it is not the, the size of your faith account because you have a faith account. But it's the strength of your living faith that makes the difference. And this is a phrase I'm going to say many times this morning, having a living faith. Because I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is alive. And my faith is in Him. And as long as my faith is in Him, my faith is alive. And if we are going to have faith like Philpot or any of these other martyrs or, or you know, whoever... It is only going to be because it is based in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hath been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here, Paul is writing to Timothy, and, he, and he's very clear about his faith being in Christ. Timothy had a strong faith because his faith was in Jesus Christ. His faith was not in his bank account. His faith was not in anything in this world. His faith was in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2 in verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the law, uh, work of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have uh, believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law, but by the works of the law shall flesh be justified. Unfortunately, many of us, 
And this, so please, please get this, okay? Please get this. Is, uh, this is something that I've learned through the years of being a pastor. Many of us compare our faith by looking at other people. How many of you, when I read the story of Philpot, compared your faith to his? We probably all did. And that is a big mistake. A huge mistake. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, uh, <clears throat> for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves are not wise. See, we I don't need to compare my faith to Philpot's faith or to your faith or to the faith of my pastor that I have uh, uh, huge amounts of respect for. I don't I should never compare my faith to anybody else's because my faith is tied to Jesus Christ. And the faith that I need for my life right now is going to be different from the faith that you need for your life right now. And if your faith is tied to Jesus Christ, then you will have living faith. Just as Philpot, I'm, I don't know, I have no idea what I'm about to say is true, but I'm guessing, because I know human character, but I believe that if Philpot was here this morning, he would tell you this. I was just doing what God wanted me to do. There is nothing special about me. I'm just a regular person like you. That God gave an extra measure of faith because he was willing to step out. Those kind of comparisons are never fair. Because what immediately, what is the immediate thought? At least whenever I do it, the, my most immediate thought is, I'll never measure up. And I get discouraged. Now I'm going to put some ladies on the spot here. Okay? I, I, okay, other than Janelle, I have never met these, these three ladies. I never met them before this morning. But I can tell you this. I know what it means to serve at a Christian camp. My son did it one year. And they have to step out in faith to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you my summer. I am going to serve you in hopes that you will pay my school bill. Is that about right? Not you? Okay. Okay. My son, my son came to us once, one, I think between his freshman and sophomore year, and he said, he said, you know, mom and dad, I, I wanna, I wanna serve at a Christian camp this summer. My first response was, buddy, you need to work all summer to pay your bill the coming year. But he said, you know, I, I need. This is something I need to do. 
So he stepped out in faith. You know what? God provided. See, that is faith for a season. And that is what this is talking about. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. So who is the vine here? Jesus Christ is the vine. And as long as we are abiding in the vine, we have living faith. Except ye abide uh, in the vine, no more can ye accept ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me ye can do what? Nothing. We need Jesus Christ. We need living faith. Strong living faith is not measured by our faith account. It is measured by our dependence in Jesus Christ. Point number one, measuring our faith. Number two, let's talk about the mustard seed. In verse 6, it talks about having the faith as a grain of mustard seed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Have you ever walked down to a spider web? Oh, I hate that. Where did it come from? <clears throat> I have a picture for you. That is a mustard seed. It's literally that small. That is a mustard seed. And Jesus says, if you have the the faith of a mustard seed or a grain of mustard seed, you can look at a, uh, uh, well, he called, the the Bible here calls it, let me me look at it and make sure I get it right, a, uh, a sycamine tree. We would know it as a mulberry tree, uh, a tree that has very deep roots. Unlike a pine tree that has very shallow roots, a, a sycamine tree or the, the, the mulberry tree has very deep roots. And he says that just a small amount of faith, the faith of a mustard seed, you can look at the, the, the uh, mulberry tree and say, go plant yourself in the ocean. Just think about that. You say, and and I don't know about you. I, I can only speak for myself, but I look at that and think, I'm in big trouble. Because I cannot walk up even to a pine tree that has shallow roots and say, okay, go. And that just a grain of mustard seed, that is the amount of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11 is known as the, the for lack of better terms, is, we call it the hall of faith. And, he, and, and it says, By faith Enoch was translate, translated that he should not see death and was not found because, he had translated, because God had translated him. For... Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. So let me just stop and say this. If Enoch pleased God, and he pleased God so much, he was so close to God, God went to Enoch one day and said, you know what, Enoch, just come up here. What kind of faith do you think Enoch had? Because it is faith that pleases God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you continue reading through Hebrews chapter 11, you see a, a theme that is repeated over and over and over. Not just Enoch, but Noah. It says, by faith Noah. By faith Abraham. By faith Isaac, by faith, Jacob, by faith, Joseph. And if we, again, we could bring all of these people in the hall of faith and we could bring them in here and have them stand in front of us, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, every one of them would say, I'm just a regular person. I just learned to put my faith in Jesus Christ. How did I accomplish the, the incredible things that I was able to accomplish? It wasn't by my, by my abilities. It was the strong living faith that I had in Jesus Christ. Number one, measuring our faith. Number two, the idea of the mustard seed. Number three, let's talk about something that is, <clears throat> well, let's just talk about it. Number three, bond slave. Bond slave. If you were, those of you, those of you that were here uh, uh, yesterday at the men's Bible study, we kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but we're, we're going to talk about the, the, the verse, <clears throat> excuse me, did I lose my place here? Yes, the page turned on me. Um, verse 7 let's look at verse 7 he says which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field go and sit down to me so <clears throat> let's talk about the servant here because this is this is incredibly important to understanding the parable that Jesus is telling if you don't understand this principle, then you're not going to understand the, print, the, the parable. The, the word slave here is the Greek, law, the Greek word doulos. Doulos means bond slave or bond servant. And in our, in our society today, we have no concept of what a bond servant or a bond slave was. We have nothing that compares to it. What a bond slave or a bond servant, it's the same, it's the same thing. So I'm going to go back and forth between the two words, bond slave and bond servant. What it was, was a slave that was set free but then chose to serve his master or her master. 
It is a choice that they make to serve a master. And you think, wait a minute, that, that's crazy. Again, you, you, you have to understand the culture because there's nothing in our society today that would help us understand this. So I'm going to do my best to explain it. <clears throat> Part of the problem was there was no government agency running around helping people that were in need. So there was no welfare state, there was no handouts, there were no food banks, there was nothing like that. So what would happen with particularly a slave that had been freed, they would oftentimes find it difficult to find employment. So what they would do is they would, for lack of better terms, commit their lives to serving a master. And by doing this, they would be guaranteed fair treatment, food, lodging, and for lack of better terms, health care. What we would think of health care. It was a way for them to, because what would happen is the master of the bondservant would take on the responsibilities of that family, that individual, be it a, a single person, be it a, an entire family. But if a, if a slave would go to a master and say, hey, I want to become your bond slave, by that master taking on that responsibility means that that family, that, that person would never have to worry about housing, food, anything for the rest of their lives. See, all, that, all the responsibility of providing all that would then fall on the master. Another thing that I, I didn't know this, but as I was reading and studying to refresh my memory on uh, the idea of a bond slave, one of the commentators that I read made this statement, and, and I didn't realize this, um, but the more I researched, the more I found it to be accurate, is that uh, a bond slave was even compensated financially over and above his room, board, and protection. So again, you can't take the word do loss and put it in the category of what we today in 21st century America think is slavery. It's completely two different words. It's completely different. It's not even close to being the same thing. In fact, let me say this. The Bible does condemn what we call slavery today. Okay? The Bible does condemn that. Although, in this day, it was very prevalent. And I've got another bit of information for you. It's still prevalent today. You can go to a lot of countries where slavery is rampant. So, let's look at Scripture to define the word doulos. Okay? Here's a couple of examples. Romans chapter 1 in verse 1. 
Paul, a servant, a doulos, a person who has chosen to become a servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Timothy, or Timotheus, the servants, the losses of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. <clears throat> James chapter 1 and verse 1. James. Now, who is James? We're studying the book of James in our men's Bible study. Who is James? Talk to me. Someone, quick. Okay, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And he calls himself a doulos, a bond slave to Jesus Christ. Do you get the idea of what's taking place here? These are not servants. These are not slaves to Jesus Christ. These are men and, 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 and people who have chosen to dedicate their lives to serving Jesus Christ. So let's make a spiritual application to the word doulos. And, and this, is, this is absolutely critical that you get this. So wake up if you're sleeping. <clears throat> let's make a spiritual application. The Bible says that before I was saved, I was a slave to sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ did what? Set me free. Now it's my choice whether I'm going to be a doulos to Jesus Christ. You see the you see the application here. You can make the choice to being a bond servant. To Jesus Christ. And because of our society and the word slave, we think that this is a horrible, a horrible idea. Why would I why would I want to be a slave? Well, again, go back to the culture. When a when a former slave became a bond slave to a master that master became responsible for everything. You know what? I want Jesus Christ to be everything to me. I want him to take care of my financial needs. I want him to take care of every aspect of my life. All I want to do is serve him. And if you are going to have strong living faith it is only going to be because you have become a bondservant to Jesus Christ first corinthians chapter 7 and verse 22 for he that is called <clears throat> uh, uh, for he that is called in the lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also, he that is called uh, being free 
is Christ's servant. I'm here to tell you, true freedom, true freedom comes when we serve Jesus Christ. That's true freedom. Because I don't have to worry about the things of this world. If my master, Jesus Christ, is in control of my life, then I don't have to worry about all the things of this world. I don't have to worry about all the, all the distractions and all the circumstances and all the hard times and all the things that can happen in this world. I don't have to worry about it because Jesus Christ is my master. All I have to do is serve him. That's freedom. That is freedom. True freedom is only found in Christ. Number four, and we'll be done. Number four. So we've talked about measuring our faith, the mustard seed, being a slave. Now let's talk about humble service. Let's read verses 7 to 10 again. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding the cattle, shall say unto him, by and by, when ye come from the field, go and sit down and meet? In other words, what he's saying here in, 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 in verse 7 is, how, how many of you that have a servant or a bond slave, after they're done working you, you, and they come in from the fields, you say, hey, come on over here, sit down, let me, the master, serve you. No, that would, that would never happen. That would never happen. And will not rather say unto him, make ready, wherefore I may sup, and gird myself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and, and afterward thou shalt eat and, eat and drink. Doth he thank the serv- that servant because he did the things which he uh, were commanded him? I throw, or I, I, I think not. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all these things w- which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Jesus does something here that is uh, incredible. He doesn't say, okay, he starts off by talking about the, the grain of a mustard seed. Of, of, of If you have the faith of a mustard seed, then you will be able to do the difficult or even the impossible. But essentially, what he's saying in the parable, because the parable doesn't start until verse 7. What he's saying in the parable is essentially is that we have the faith to do the routine, do, to do the routine acts that the Master requires. Because is that not where most of us live? To just do what God wants you to do. He doesn't, you know, Jesus is not asking us to walk around plucking up trees and having them thrown into the ocean. That's not what he's saying. That's not faith. 
That's showmanship. But what he's saying here in, 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 in an essence is this. A, a, a servant only does what is asked of him. And a master does not serve the servant. Why? Because the master is responsible for providing everything else. And if, if the master says, hey, this is your job, then that is the job. He's not looking for people to show off and uh, throw trees into the ocean. What is he asking us, really? To just serve him. Humbly serve the master. The bond servant does the will of the master. Again, let me read Jesus' example in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, saying, Father, if thou, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus is our perfect example always of humble servanthood. Knowing what was going to happen on the cross, Jesus prays in the garden before the crucifixion, and he says, Father, if it please you, let this cup pass from me. He was not trying to get out of it. He was just saying, I don't want to have to go through it but your will be done. That's how Enoch, Jonah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Ruth, uh, uh, and I just went totally blank on other names. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking, you know what, every every person in Scripture that ever, let me, well, let's stop. Every person who has ever lived that has done the will of God has done it because they are a bondservant to Jesus Christ. There's nothing special about anybody who serves God other than the fact that they are willing to say, my faith, I want a living faith based in a living God. And when it's time for me to serve, I will serve. That's how Philpot could say, you know what? I'm going to die. Why make a big deal of it? And that's why a man could, could kneel down and kiss the, the stake in which he was about to be burned because his life was not his own. His life belonged to Jesus Christ. And there will be a day, I believe with all my heart, there will be a day in our world that people are going to pay. Well, let me rephrase that. In the United States where people are going to pay a high price for your faith. People around the world are paying a high price now. But it's coming here. And how are you going to have the faith? You think, but, but pastor, there's no way I could do that. You know what? You don't need to do that now. Right now, you just need to serve him. 
We don't need large faith accounts. We just need strong living faith in Jesus Christ. Choosing to be a servant. Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Uh, Then departed uh, Barnabas to uh, Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it it came to pass that uh, a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Think about this. They were called first. They were they believers in Jesus Christ were called first, were called Christians first in Antioch. Why? Because they had become so much like Christ. They had they had given their lives to Jesus Christ, and their lives reflected Christ so much that the unsaved people in Antioch looked at them and said, They're Christians. The word Christian means to be to to be party of, or like like we would call a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or something. It is a, it is a word that identifies a group of people that think and do a certain thing. And the believers in Antioch had they had so been consumed with being Christ-like because their faith had been so anchored in Jesus Christ that the unsaved people looked at him and they mocked him. The word Christian is a word of mockery, not not a, a, a word of, hey, look at me, I'm a Christian. No, if you did that back then, you could be killed. We wear it as a badge of honor in our world, in our country today, but in, in Acts, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Acts chapter 11, it was a, a word of, of, of mockery or, or, or insult. Paul was able to say in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. Let me close with this and we'll be done. Are you struggling this morning on how to grow your faith? The answer, the key, the answer is really simple. It's not to have a large faith account, but to have a living faith in Jesus Christ. Where's your faith? What are you basing your faith in? I'm here to tell you, if you're basing it in the federal government, you're in big trouble. I don't care what federal government, any government, you're in big trouble. Where's your faith based in? I hope and pray it is in a living faith because true freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives.
And Lord, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking, and that you would help us to see and to know how much you truly do love us. And that all you want us to do is trust you. Thank you for this parable. Thank you for all of the parables that you've given us, that we can learn so much. And Lord, we ask as we close our service that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking, and that you would help us to be more like you. With every head.